Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Craig Archibald about his new book, The Actor's Mindset, Acting as a Craft, Discipline, and Business. Craig Archibald, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from LA. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about lessons from your book, The Actor's Mindset, Acting as a Craft, Discipline, and Business. And I'm super excited to explore this with you. As we get started, I wanted to share Craig's bio with everybody. Craig Archibald is a writer, director, producer, actor, and coach whose professional career began at 15 and includes award-winning film and television productions. The founder of the Archibald Studio, he works with countless actors, including Eric Roberts, Dan Fetterman, John Slattery, Catherine Erb, and Constance Wu, a passionate mentor. His powerful strategies for success cross into every field. He's the author of The Actor's Mindset, Acting as a Craft, Discipline, and Business. And you can learn more about him at ArchibaldStudio.com. Craig, anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further? No, that sounds great. That's who I am. Okay, cool. Well, why don't we start with the origin story behind the book? I always like when I'm talking with an author about how the book came to be. Uh, why this book? Why now? Um, and really, how did it spring into existence? Well, I'd been coaching since 1995. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, maybe in 2010. And he said, Hey, are you recording this in any way? Are you all the things, the, the speeches you give your clients and the wisdom uh, that you have about the industry? And I was secretly keeping a little book of ideas. And then another friend said, Hey, why don't you write something? Why don't you write a book on acting? And the truth is, John, is that When I was coming up as a young actor in New York in the 1980s and 90s, we had to go through a lot of what I like to call the purple nonsense, a purple haze of Hollywood and and show business, because there's a lot of hoo-ha around being an artist, like, oh, nobody knows how this works. And the truth is, we had to really learn a lot of lessons about the industry and the business ourselves. And so the real impetus behind the book is to help young artists get through a period of purple haze and get the nonsense out of the way 
because it's hard enough to be a successful artist, let alone dealing with all of the, you should do this, no, you should do that, and let alone all of the family that doesn't uh, understand your art. And, and this, by the way, is a good book for people that are friends and family members of artists, because it really is about how we live our lives and how we go through the, our days and how we make our lives better by being artists and how we live in the world. And so for people that don't understand the life of an artist, this book is what it's about, including for artists. And that's the impetus was to give young actors and actresses a, a sort of a heads up. And there's a lot of great classic acting books out there that have been used to death. They're fantastic and they're great, but they haven't been really modernized. So I did an attempt at modernizing and bringing people up to speed about the truth about the industry and the art form and about what your real job is when you're working. And that's where it came from. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that background. And I know one of the things that you try to pull out uh, in the book is more of a business um, approach uh, and a mindset towards continual education. Maybe speak a little bit more to that and some of those types of topics that you've included. Absolutely. You know, entrepreneurship isn't just for people that are in the business world, right? And as an, as an artist, if you're wanting to make a living at it, you have to be an entrepreneur. And if you have to think in an entrepreneurial way, I tell my clients, you provide a service called acting in a very large market called show business or Hollywood or Broadway or wherever you are. And so you have to do all of the work that all the young entrepreneurs have to do. First of all, you have to know your industry, which means you have to read every day and keep up to date on everything. Then you have to make a game plan and an attack. And then you have to work out that attack. You have to have a daily uh, program that you work on a regular basis and work your way into the industry in however way you may be able to. I mean, there are different ways in. You can come in through agents and managers and workshops, or you could create something. You could create your own short film that could go out and win some awards at some film festivals and gain some attention that way. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is famous for her uh, television show Fleabag, and she created that as a play that she took up to the Edinburgh Festival, and then it became a hit up there, and then it was turned into this famous show that earned her Emmy nominations and wins, right? So that creativity on her part changed her life. So there's different ways that uh, we work as entrepreneurs, but having the idea that you are a business person, you know, there's something in our education system that when we go through sort of our lower lower years in school that there's a teacher there that's going to hold your hand and through high school there's also a teacher that's going to like teach you the way and you're basically going to get through high school if you listen to them and, and they guide you through and then in college there's mentors and professors and we come out on the other side feeling out of the college world that oh there's going to be somebody that's going to do the job for us and help us through and the truth is, in the business world, you really have to make it happen yourself. Even if you go into a corporate job, you still have to work within that job and make it happen yourself. So the idea that there's going to be somebody there to help you can sometimes lead the young person or whoever whoever is, is listening into the, the mindset of a victim, right? And the victim mindset is, oh, poor me, it's so hard. And, and a lot of times in our youth, we get a lot of attention for that mindset, you know, oh, it's okay, it'll work out. And you get a lot of hugs, a lot of attention from your friends, because things are so hard. And I find that completely debilitating for people that are trying to make their own thing happen. So I say that I create champions here. And we create champions by changing our mindset out of the victim mindset into the champion mindset, which means that you make everything make you better, 
right? You take a negative and you know how to turn it around. If you think about the great champions in the world, like Rafa Nadal, who I'm a big fan of, or Roger Federer, who we just said goodbye to, those guys were were awesome and are awesome at taking a negative situation and not letting it knock them down, figuring out how to turn it around and make it work for them. And that is at the core essence of my cornerstone of my of the work that I do with my clients. And being an entrepreneur means stepping up and saying, no, my agent isn't my dad. My manager isn't my mom. No, those are people that I pay and therefore they work for me. And how, who do I want to be as a business owner right out of the box? I think you made a lot of connections to the entrepreneurial side of things uh, for for those in artistic fields and actors and such. And I'm wondering, what do you think are some of the, the core lessons that come from your book and your life experience that you share through your book uh, for those who aren't artists, they're not actors, but they're leading a team, they're in an organization and some sort of a, a formal or informal leadership role trying to what what types of core lessons do you think um, the average reader needs to glean uh, in order to just be more effective in their their own leadership? Well, there's there's many to be honest with you, you know, performance skills, right? How to get um, someone to be working at their best as a, in their performance skills, both in what they create every day within the company, but also for people that are out there on the floor. If you have salespeople, um, that is a performance skill. So that's part of what this is. Uh, authenticity and the ability to know who you, who you are and how you are within the situation and embracing your imperfections so that you can go through them and be your best. A lot of people are very afraid of being wrong and, and making mistakes. And there's just something about being able to accept yourself as a fallible person that gives you the freedom to um, trust yourself that you can do it. And so being uh, in people management, right, guiding people through this, like I just said about the victim and, and champion mindset, that's a good example of talking to your, 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 your staff about, hey, listen, let's change our mindsets about this. There's a lot of complaining going on. There's a lot of bitterness. There's a lot of questioning going on. There's a lot of victim here. Let's be champions together. That, those are just small examples. Um, creativity, something that you, we always want our staff to be working and being creative. How to, how to have your staff being thinking in creative ways and to know that they can come to you and that you expect them to come to you with creative ideas. You might not always be able to implement them, but you want to hear what they have to say. Um, a lot of of corporate uh, situations is this is the way we work and that's the only way we work and don't tell me anything I, I know how this how this division runs and unfortunately that's just asking for trouble and I've worked for those companies and when you feel shut down by a company um, like that it's it's the, it, it deadens you inside as opposed to planting the seeds of inspiration in your staff and and encouraging people to bring their best to the table and to be honest about themselves and allow them themselves to be vulnerable. You know, the vulnerability is a big thing that people try to ignore. And, and we all have it every day. And actors in particular have it, but your staff members are going to have vulnerabilities. And when you say, no, you can't have that vulnerability, John, that takes them to a place where they feel locked down. And instead, if they know that in their vulnerabilities, they are allowed to have that. And I'm not saying 
go back and baby them as a victim. I'm saying, how do we take that vulnerability and turn it into a positive? Come and share it with me. I'll turn it into a positive with you. And we'll have you leave this office feeling better about the work that we're doing and how I'm working with you. Um, ideas about memorization or nerves. Like if, you, if you're presenting at, uh, if you have to present at a conference or even just at a, a table around uh, a, a group of people, uh, people get very nervous about public speaking. So, you know, I have simple guides to, you know, using nerves to make you better. How do we take those nerves and, and make you better? Rising through resilience. You know, how do we rise uh, through resilience by taking any arrow that hits us and cracking it and throwing it away before it even touches our skin? And yeah. and also, when you get hit by a big problem, how do you deal with a big problem that you can't just crack and throw away? Okay, this is a major problem. How do we deal with it? And, you know, in, in, in show business producing a lot of like, really the best producers in the world are the ones that are thinking ahead. They're problem yeah. solving before the problem happens. And that's another part of the mindset that I try to get people into. It's all about the mindset, John, really it is. If people are coming at to work from a mindset of, oh, I have to do this job. Like I had to go to school. You're in trouble because those people don't want to be there or a part yeah. of them doesn't want to be there. And so getting them to love coming to work, to be excited that they're they're being listened to and that they're respected and that you are guiding them into a higher and higher and higher, that they will one day grow in their job to a better place or to be a better person. Yeah, so much there uh, that I really love. And I want to double click on just a couple of the points that you just made. Sure. And then we can, we can go in further. Um, but you talked about vulnerability, which I think is so important. And everyone is vulnerable. Everyone has their stuff. Everyone has the challenges that they face. And then that connects with resilience. So how are we going to respond when we, when we are feeling safe enough to be vulnerable, bring our whole authentic self to the workplace to put our best foot forward, but also recognize the complexities of our lives and, and the challenges that we're facing. And then we can, we can pair that with this resilient mindset and a growth mindset so that we can lean into the challenges and struggles, but really overcome them and springboard off of them. I think one of the best things a leader can do is to create a psychologically safe place where people can feel safe to be vulnerable, where they can, they know that they don't need to be perfect uh, and that we're going to support them in their development of their resiliency so that when they have setbacks, they can respond to them uh, in a positive way. We all have setbacks. Um, no, no person's growth is perfectly upward linear progression. Like we all have ups and downs and setbacks and every organization every, has to go through iterations in terms of how they're innovating and creating products and services to bring to market. Um, I think there's so many lessons uh, from your world that, that feed right into how we need to be uh, approaching things. And, you know, from an entrepreneur, and again, you connected it to entrepreneurial mindset as well. But when I think of entrepreneurs or I think of actors or artists, I think they live in a space of constant, not constant necessarily, but persistent rejection, um, yeah. setbacks, yeah. right? Things rarely go exactly the way you want. Right. And, and you learn to just live in a space where you're comfortable with that complexity, the messiness, uh, and to live with the ups and downs. And I think in the modern world of work and in the future of work, we need more people in everyday organizations that are comfortable with change. They're comfortable with the setbacks. They're comfortable uh, with the challenges that they're going to face and they're resilient enough to, to face them head on. And I see a lot of that coming out in what you're describing in your book. 
Absolutely. And, and, and you're right on. I think that there is um, a, a kind of a shame quality around mistakes or not succeeding. And that's exactly what we try to not invest in. There is no shame in doing that audition. That audition was really great. There is no shame with coming to me with that idea. That idea might not work, but thank you for that idea. If, if that's going to help our business be better, I want every idea you have. Essentially, it comes down to my dictum, which is make everything make you better. And that is just something that you can incorporate into your life. And it's very simple. Um, you know, when I first learned it for myself, you know, I, the reason it came up in my mind was I was getting a lot of whining and complaining from my actors. It, oh, it's so hard. And uh, that that casting director doesn't like me. And I'm sure there are many people out there that understand in their organizational leadership skills that there are people that are always going to be whining and complaining. So I made a rule at my studio that we don't allow that and that we use my slogan, make everything make you better, which turns into a different thing when you start to think of it in terms of the individual words. Make, like take this and make a choice that you're going to do. Everything, and I mean everything, right? Like meaning what you eat, how you work out, what you do with the rest of the day, how you live your life, the love that, that you share in the world, and what you want to accomplish through the job that you're doing, you know, the big why of things. Uh, that's always a great question is, why am I doing this? And, and uh, my great business coach is a guy named Les McGeehee out of Texas. And Les always says, if you ask the big why, the how will show up. And it's true. And, and so that's the everything of it. Uh, make, making something happen means that you have to take energy, right? M making it happen means that you have to make a choice to make something happen. And everything is everything, meaning the, the 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 small problems in your daily life at home or the problem with your car or the fact that you dropped your phone and it smashed this morning. Make everything work for you. Take that energy and whatever it is, even in nerves, like for public speaking, if you're if you're if you get nervous, well, that's an energy, right? Nerves is an energy. And if you breathe slowly and if you take in those nerves and you allow them to be there, you can use them and turn them into giving you an energy so that when you're speaking, you're you're speaking with a positive energy coming out, not a negative. And then better is just a simple improvement, you know, just little simple improvements. It doesn't have to be overnight you become Kobe Bryant. You know, it can be something that you work toward. And very often people expect themselves and, and hold themselves up to this level of professionalism that is almost impossible to live up to. And when you're trying so hard to live up to this idea, sometimes you fail consistently because you've set the bar too high and therefore you're living in failure all the time. But if you set your increments at a smaller rate and you're consistently succeeding, then you can succeed all the way along and you're living a successful life as you succeed. And there's a very dif big difference in someone that's living in a failure life and someone that's living in a success life. Now, my successes might just be really small, but I feel like I'm successful as opposed to someone that has a big failure where they feel like a big failure. Who has the better energy when they come into the room? Who's going to have a better mindset when they come to the table of ideas or into a group situation where we want them to be pitching and playful and, and helpful and making things happen? Or just having a great culture within your own company. I mean, creating the culture of a company is a big part of people management. And that idea of allowing people to 
make everything make you better. Just take the negatives and turn them into positives. That's my my take on all that. And you've talked a little bit about some of the coaching that you do in your studio, but maybe if you could zoom in on that a little bit and in our remaining time, limited as it may be, um, a little bit more about how you approach those coaching relationships, because I think there's some lessons there for how leaders can coach members of their team. Sure. I, you know, I really feel very strongly that the guru mentality really is not a good one. And so I, I completely look at my relationship with my clients as sort of a sporting coach and that we're in it together, that we're working together. Anywhere I've seen the guru mentality tends to be a real negative because it's enforcing that idea that we talked about earlier about you're young and therefore you have to give your power over to the adult who is the boss and you don't have any power and you have to listen to me and I will guide you through this, which I think takes away their power. And we want to empower people. So the guru situation is a nightmare, right? If, if someone is, is getting their uh, self-worth from being a guru, that's a big mistake. Because here's the thing, the guru is also fallible, right? And if you put someone up on a pedestal, eventually they will disappoint you because they're human. And everybody's human. Everybody's going to make mistakes. So I always tell my clients, please don't guru me. That's just going to take us nowhere. Please work with me as a partner. And even though I do have all my experience and I, I mean, I'm, I've worked a lot in the industry, I have a lot of connections. I am a little bit more in the industry than you are. Let's be equals and work together like a sporting coach does. I'm going to, I'm going to look at your skill set. I'm going to see where you're strong and I'm going to see where you're weak. And I'm going to tell you, you know what, if you raise your elbow that little bit, the basketball is going to go in in that much easier. So little small guidelines that I can give them. That's the way I treat my my clients. Yeah, I think that's a much healthier approach. It's more of a coaching and mentoring approach rather than the the expert coming in telling you how to do things, how to fix things. Most people don't respond well to that, even if they're seeking expertise. They just exactly. don't uh, respond well to that, and it's it's not a particularly sustainable way to approach it, and it's not fostering that resilience in that person because they they don't find the strength and power within themselves to overcome challenges they're constantly looking to some external you exactly. know person uh or power to do that for them and so yeah let's let's foster that within ourselves let's help our team members foster that within themselves exactly and it's crazy how prevalent it is how many people want to be a guru or be looked up to in that way and i find it impossible to carry that weight as the guru i just hate it because then i'm constantly watching myself to make sure i don't make a mistake but I'm human. I'm going to make a mistake. So that's, it's, it's a, if you are in a leadership position, let go of that need to be the perfect boss. Yeah. Let, let go of that need to be perfect because you're not, and you're going to make mistakes and you have to be able to say, oops, I made a mistake. And if you as the leader are able to own your own mistakes, then the people underneath you will have the same strength to be able to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake and here's how we can fix it. Because we all know it's those little mistakes that get swept under the rug that eventually come back to be a bigger, bigger, bigger problem because no one addressed it early, right? And so if you address yeah. a problem quickly and early, it's taken care of and we're moving on. There's no blame, there's understanding and don't let it happen again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Craig, this has been a really great conversation. I do note the time. I need to let you go here in just a minute. But before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a moment to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Great. Um, well, my book is available at any place you can get a good book like Barnes and Nobles or on Amazon. The name of the book is The Actor's Mindset. And my name is Craig Archibald. My website is thearchibaldstudio.com. And I think that 
at the end of the day, it's about being human and allowing people to be in their vulnerable self and allowing your staff to grow and change and find their best self. You know, we're all in this world trying to make it a better place, no matter who you are, really. We're all trying to make things better. Uh, in our, in my industry, you know, the entertainment industry, we entertain people and by entertaining them, we educate them, inspire them and, and make the world a better place and, and, and celebrate that. And I think that if you can get that mentality into a workplace, uh, it would be magical because you're going to, it's all, it's about, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And it's about helping the world be a better place. I love it. Thank you, Craig. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Craig can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. If you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.